Hello there. My name is Gareth Long and I'm the Communications Coordinator for the Faculty of Arts, Humanities and Social Sciences at ARU. In this podcast series, I'll be interviewing some of our students, alumni and academic and technical staff to explore their experiences of education, their career paths and their advice for anyone hoping to work in the same field. In this episode, I talk with our Deputy Dean for Education, Dr. Aperba Kundu. We cover his time as captain of the University of Leeds rowing team, his co-founding of ARU's Black and Minority Ethnic Network, and what working life was like under the coronavirus lockdown. This interview was originally recorded in March 2021, when the UK was still under national lockdown. So with no further ado, let's get on with the podcast. Hi, I'm uh, Dr. Aperba Kundu, and I'm Deputy Dean for Education in the Faculty of Arts, Humanities and Social Sciences. And I look after quality assurance, quality enhancement and the student experience. Now, what, what does that mean? Well, quality assurance, I look after making sure that uh, our learning, teaching and assessment practices are up to scratch. You know, are we following all the rules and regulations of our university? Our, are our external examiners happy with what we're doing? Is what we're doing um, up to speed with practice uh, around the country and around the world, if not cutting edge? In terms of quality enhancement, well, that's where we get to cutting edge in those same areas of learning, teaching and assessment. Um, how can we make them better? What do our students think about us? You know, I look after student surveys, whether they're uh, internal ones or national ones, and putting uh, student views and opinions into actions to make our uh, courses uh, the best they can be. And then finally, in terms of student experience, well, that's all the, the bits in between. Um, the, the welcome program for the students, the extracurricular things they do, our relations with the students union, um, even complaints and discipline, you know, all those areas that help to make a university experience wider than just the curriculum. I'm also responsible for doing that. Uh, I hasten to add, I don't do all of these things. These are just my areas of responsibility and uh, I depend on a, a small team of colleagues and then colleagues across the faculty uh, to help make our courses the best they can be. So what's your own academic background and how did you get into student experience from that? It's it wasn't my goal from the beginning. I think it's it's a, a, a varied path. But when I look back on it, I think I've always been interested in the human experience and I've al always been interested in learning. And finally, I have uh, been lucky enough to um, have learned at education institutions across the world. So as you may guess from my accent, I'm not from the UK. Uh, I went to high school in the United States. Then I did my BA in English literature and philosophy in Leeds in the UK. So I was interested in, you know, the stories we, we tell about ourselves, how we think about ourselves. I went back to America to do a master's at Johns Hopkins, and this time it was international relations. So I was looking at, you know, how we, the human story in that larger group of nation states. Uh, and then finally, I came back uh, to the UK to the London School of Economics to do a PhD in government again, looking at that kind of human story. Um, so I think that's really helped me in understanding the student story here at uh, Anglia Ruskin. And I think having you know, been educated uh, in the US, the UK, oh, I did a 
I did a year of my master's in Italy as well, helps me understand that perspective of being a foreign student, of mixing cultures, of the challenges they face. So although I didn't aim for this position when I started out, it, it really fell into place based on my experience uh, and I hope my strengths. So do you think there was one thing in particular, I mean, this might be a difficult question to answer, given what you've just said. But is there one thing you can point to, maybe a life experience, maybe an event in history or a piece of media that's inspired you to do what you do now? If I had to point to one thing, I think it was rowing at the University of Leeds. So I had rowed uh, for four years in high school, and I loved the the, the camaraderie. I love the teamwork. I love the, the physicality of it. Uh, I love the competition. And I carried that on when I went to Leeds. Um, and I was lucky enough to be um, a captain one year at Leeds as well. And I think, you know, that really teaches you teamwork. It teaches you collegiality. It teaches you leadership. And I think, you know, if there was one thing, it was, okay, this is over a period of seven years of, of being a uh, uh, on a rowing team, but that intensity and that pulling together, that, I think that's helped me uh, uh, throughout my career, throughout my personal life as well. Shared discipline, essentially, yes. I think. Yes, and, uh, and I mean, it, it seems really obvious, but, you know, I used to love rowing in eights, and, you know, there are eight of you plus a coxswain, and you all have to be doing the same thing at the same time, and you all have to be completely dependent on everyone else doing it as well. So I I like to think that's how I treat uh, my professional career, that it's not about the individual, it's about the, the team pulling together. I know it sounds cheesy, but I, I, you know, when I give welcome talks to students at university, I always encourage them to join extracurricular activities, whether it's a sport or society, volunteering or politics, because However important the course is, and the course will always be central, those extracurricular activities can add such value um, to your life experience that uh, I, I really encourage students to take up the, those opportunities. Did you compete in the rowing or was it more of a hobbyist thing? No, no, it, it, it was competition. Um, you know, we would, uh, it, the, the competition was what made all those hours in the morning in the winter uh, worth it. Um, I, I suppose the, the the height of it was uh, at Leeds. One year we we actually got to the Henley Royal Regatta, uh, oh. and I competed there. So so that was that was fantastic. Or uh, rowing in the the head of the river race on the Thames when we were one out of four hundred and twenty five eights on the river, and the, just the sheer spectacle of it was, was, was remained with me uh, to this day. Again, given that you've got quite a, a broad background there and quite a lot of academic experience of your own. What do you feel the most valuable thing that you took away from education was though? Would it be the teamwork? The teamwork in terms of personal and professional, but if we if we looked at just the education perhaps aspect of my education rather than the extracurricular, mm. it's got to be curiosity. You know, I I'm a, I was lucky enough to, you know, my parents left it up to me to choose what I wanted to study. There wasn't a pressure of, you know, doctor, lawyer, engineer <laughs> kind of thing. Um, it was choose what you are passionate about. But I suppose more than passion, it was curiosity. You know, um, looking back on it, I wanted to find out 
figure out why we do as humans the things we do. And, and I was just allowed to follow that. And if you're curious about something, it will be interesting to you. And if it's interesting you to you, you'll be able to put up with the late nights and the challenges and the exams and the reading and because you're curious. It's like, well, what's next? What what more can I add? It's it, so curiosity is what I, I, I take away, th I think, the most. As a deputy dean, that must make you interested in most of the subjects or make it easier for you to take an interest in all the subjects that the faculty it, it offers as well. Yeah, it, it certainly has. And, and you know, um, what I've said before, you know, I'm really a, a come from humanities and social sciences. Um, when I I spent many years at the University of Bradford and many years in a department of cybernetics. So that was also, you know, to be curious about especially the psychology of the Internet uh, uh, was really just a treat for me. And then to come to faculty where we have fine art, photography, computer games, film and television production, illustration, you know, all of these things that were new to me as a as an academic. It's been fantastic, you know, and uh, uh, to learn about those subjects, to learn what the students are doing, to see what my colleagues, their performances and their publications and their exhibitions. It's it's a treat working in such a diverse faculty. What do you think is the most interesting thing that you get to do in your role? Is it working with all these very colleagues? I, I think in my role, the most interesting thing is the fact that almost every day is different. Um, because I could be, um, you know, pouring over documents and reports to, 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 to see what we might do better. I could be looking at uh, close data. I could be going to graduate shows. I could be hosting uh, a, a student open mic event. Um, I could be traveling um, to our, I don't know, to, to our university campus in Trinidad to help oversee the quality assurance process um, of the, the, the business school operations there. So, as I said, almost every day is different. Almost every day brings me into contact with different colleagues, different people, different students. I never get bored in the job. Um, and if I do feel a little bit bored, well, tomorrow is going to be another day and will bring me a fresh set of interactions and challenges. So I think that the differentiation has been the is the best thing about uh, uh, my role. With all those things going on that you could potentially be doing, how, how has it been in lockdown for you having to work online most of the time? So that's it's been well, it's been positive and negative. Um, I think the negative ones are pretty obvious. You know, we we all share them. You know, perhaps a sense of isolation, um, the sameness of every day. You know, my world is two dimensional. You know, my interaction with colleagues is is just just on the screen. Um, the days can run into each other in that way. Um, I miss the the traveling um, that we had uh, pre pandemic. Um, I'm lucky enough to walk to work. You know, I miss the walk to work. You know, just just that, just that, the pleasure of the changing seasons. Um, so all those challenges. At, never mind the the just the the existential challenge of you know being in a pandemic where you really really have to be watchful over your personal safety and and the safety of those you love. The the positive side has been. Well, from a work point of view, I think the positive side has been it's a lot easier to meet colleagues. 
because you're not traveling to meet them. Although I miss the casual corridor conversations, you can almost have them with technology. You can ping someone for a quick chat uh, rather than email them. So I think what's surprising is we have all really increased, I think, our volume of work that we're, we've done over the lockdown. I think we've had to because we've adjusted to this new world and this new demands. And, you know, uh, 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 like many universities, but Angley Ruskin and, and our faculty, we've been teaching students both online and on campus where we can in between the lockdowns. And that's been super challenging to do. Um, it's remarkable how quickly staff have adapted to that. It's remarkable how quickly students have. I think, I think you know, if we, if we properly reflect on it, and there'll come a time for that, I think we should pat ourselves on the back at, at how despite, as I said, the, the existential threats of the pandemic, we have proved ourselves to be really adaptable. And by we, I mean academics, technicians, administrators, and especially students. You know, we've been really resilient um, and really creative. And I think that will stand us all in good stead uh, moving forward. Um, on a personal note, well, I've gotten to go know our garden a lot better. <laughs> I'm lucky enough to, to to live in a in a in a small house, but nonetheless, a house with a garden. And um, especially now that we're moving into spring, it's a treat to be able to just step away from the desk, take ten minutes with a coffee in the garden, um, and just just take a few deep breaths. Um, if it's sunny, that's a, that's a, even a bigger bonus. How do you feel the student experience has been for the students themselves during lockdown? How have we been able to keep running events, for example, and things like that for them? And, and how have they responded? I think, well, from my point of view, they, as I've said, they've, they've, I've been really impressed by, by how they've responded. I think because they realize that we're all in it together. You know, they are facing the same personal challenges that uh, academics are facing. You know, many of our students uh, will be carers. Many of our students will be working part time. Um, so I think what I felt is a is a sense of community. And it, again, remarkable, given that many of our students will be, you know, doing their education in Portugal or in India or in Nigeria or in the US. Um, as well as uh, in Finland or in the Midlands or in London. You know, the, the, the community that we've managed to continue, I think, has been quite good. We've put on a heck of a lot of events, online events. Um, of course, we've put on quizzes, which I think uh, everyone has done in their families or in their, in their peer groups. But we've also, I think, been a bit more creative than that. We had our graduate show completely online last summer. We've had live lounges where students uh, can perform um, um, lives on a live streaming basis. We even had a comedy showcase um, where uh, a national company came to us and we were the only university that contributed uh, for students to the performance of, of professional comedians. I, I think uh, that's remarkable. Um, of course, it's been challenging, of course, especially if you've on those courses where uh, you're hands on like printmaking or fine art or film and television production. It's been especially challenging. But by and large, I think, you know, with the uh, 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 creative uses of technology, 
we've managed to get through. Um, of course, of course, we're all looking forward to the end of lockdown, you know, touch wood, um, and the return, not to normality, because I think we won't get back to a, a pre-pandemic world. I think in some cases we'll get back to better courses. You know, what, what this has done is taught us quickly about the positive possibilities of various technologies and taught us also to appreciate then the time we do have available for face-to-face -face interactions. So I think there will be more of a, of a balance of that than there was in the past. Uh, it will still be challenging, but I think it, it's, I'm, 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 again, you to use that word I used before, I'm curious. I'm very curious to see how this will work out. On the subject of technology and how it's changing uh, university courses and lockdown, of course, now has brought, it, brought its own technological needs to bear on it. But what do you think the university will look like for students in the near future, say the next decade and beyond? I think for, for many of us, it will look almost exactly the same. I think, you know, the model of the university being a place where young people can get together, socialize, exchange ideas, network and discover themselves and discover their interests will continue to be a really important part of university. So again, not just the course, but all the things that the extracurricular activities that you can find at a university. I think that will continue for the large, not the large majority of students, but for a significant population of students, I would say. But I think how it may be different is that with, with, the, with the greater use of technology, we will be able to deliver a lot of the course online. But again, that will mean that the face-to-face -face interactions will be richer and there'll be even a, a greater need to, to come together for that. But I think what technology will allow us to do, let's say 10 years from now, I think the university will be more and more of a lifelong learning experience. As more education moves online, perhaps it will be easier for people once they leave university um, to come back and do mo have more education because they'll be able to do it without physically coming back to university. So they will have had that initial burst of socialization, of networking, of finding each other um, and finding their passions to be followed later on by, okay, well, I need to pick up a significant skill to improve my professional life, or I'm just curious, you know, and I, I wish I had, I wish I had picked, learned more about philosophy or history while I was at university, uh, and I can then come back to university as it were online and pick and choose. So I think there'll be a longer tail, as it were, of education. Uh, and then finally, I think even more than before, because of that, because we'll have longer relationships with universities, I think they'll become even more of a hub, uh, a hub space, especially the ones that are city center based, like uh, Angley Ruskin is. Um, that, you know, we, we try and encourage an open campus. Well, pre-pandemic we did, but uh, I'm looking forward to, to the campuses being, you know, even more open so we will have, you know, so the local community will see this as a resource they can use throughout their lives, you know, not not just for the period of their three years uh, undergraduate education or one year masters, 
um, I, I'm hoping they will they will be students for life. Do you think we're likely or universities in general are likely to be offering more short form vocational based courses based on that for people to come up and pick up just transferable skills in some way? I, I, th I think so. I think so. I think we need to be a little bit more careful because, um, you know, short courses, skills based courses uh, are often, you know, much better delivered by specialist providers of that. I think what a university can offer is depth, you know, depth of learning, depth of teaching. You know, you are being taught um, by people who are publishing articles and books and exhibiting and performing, you know, who are themselves on the cutting edge. And that richness of education, I think you can only get at a university. Um, so you won't be coming back to university to, you know, to buck up your, your Office 365 skills. But you may be coming back to university to buck up your critical thinking skills. You know, I, I want to take a short course in the history of ideas, you know, because what it, I need to be more creative at work. So, you know, I, I want something that will be intellectually challenging. Um, and if and if it is then more skills based, yes, of course. Um, but let's say you, you want to come back to up your skills in um, film and television production. Um, so that is very much a, a practical uh, discipline. But again, to come back and do it in depth by people who are on the cutting edge of it, I think there's a there's a difference there than than just going somewhere else to learn some quick camera skills. You know, I want the latest equipment and I just want to learn how to use the VTech 2580. That I don't think universities will ever get into that. Mm -hmm. I think universities, again, let's play to our strengths and our strengths are depth of understanding. So it's the kind of learning that could even slot into existing modules, you think, the way that we're offering them already? Yes, definitely, definitely. I think we, you know, we we should make it easier for um, non-traditional students to come in and sample um, a, a course or module. And by that, I don't mean attending one or two sessions. I mean, that module sounds fascinating. I'd like to come in and do that module. It's already possible, but it's not really. It's it's not that straightforward, you know. I and I don't really think it is at at any university. Um, and you know, how much more attractive would it be to sample that university life and the the connection with other students all on the same course? How much more rich would that be than just dipping into some MOOC with ten thousand, you know, uh, uh, students who. You, you'll know you'll you'll never have a personal relationship with the with the instructor. Um, that that again, I think. Well, that's not for me. It might be for us, but personally speaking, that's not for me. I, I want depth. I want richness. I want the lecturer to know my name. So I'm going to move on to some of the other questions because I'm aware we've only got a few minutes left now. Um, what projects are you working on at the moment? Um, so there's there's the big one I think we're all working on at the moment. It's trying to take the best of what we're doing now in um, um, the extreme circumstances of lockdown and taking them forward into the next academic year. You know, what have we learned this year that we can take forward next year? The good to take forward, the bad to drop, the in-between to, to modify. So I think we're we're all trying to think through that while doing the day the day job as well. So that's the biggest project, you know, trying to 
envisage what we'd want come next uh, academic year, balancing that against what the wider environment might be. You know, the, that that's a challenge because to a great extent, we're, we're not in control of the wider environment. So that's the big project. The other one that I'm uh, I'm involved in that's not related directly to my role, but that I'm heavily involved in is a number of years ago, I co-founded uh, the BME, uh, the Black and Minority Ethnic Network for staff here at Anglia Ruskin. And one of our main goals at that time was to have Anglia Ruskin sign up for the Race Equality Charter, which is a, a national um, kite mark, as it were, of, of uh, race equality and equity excellence. And I'm very pleased that our university is moving forward with it and actually has got a deadline of next February to put in our application. Um, and um, our network is going to be ever more involved in helping colleagues who are leading on that um, to develop, uh, interrogate our data, develop action plans. So I'm really looking forward to that. Um, and, and that's my kind of um, not side project, that wouldn't be fair to say it, but it's outside my role, but it's 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 a project that I'm really uh, keen to follow up on. What single piece of advice would you give your younger self? Um, I don't think I'd give my younger self any advice. He, he wouldn't listen anyway. <laughs> he was young. And when you're young, it's 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 rare that you listen to advice. So I'll, I'll let him I'll let him make his own mistakes. I hopefully learn from them. Um, but I think um, trying and succeeding or trying and failing is 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 better than uh, uh, depending on advice. And is there anything about Cambridge that you can think of that you know that most people wouldn't know? Well, that's a that's a tricky one because Cambridge is so well known. I mean, perhaps if if you don't know Cambridge, you might be surprised at how cycle friendly it really is. You know, everyone cycles. The, the weird and wonderful bicycles that I see that can take, you know, one parent and three children or or two parents and one child or three parents and six. No, I exaggerate slightly, but uh, it, it's super cycle friendly. If you if you come from 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 mainland Europe, you probably think, oh, OK, this is like home. But if you come from any other parts of the world, you, you, you'll be surprised how many people cycle. But I think a lot of people know that. I wonder if, if people know how pretty it is. It is a beautiful city, uh, a lot prettier than that uh, the 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 other place down the road, <laughs> uh, because a river runs through the middle of the city. So I think people will be surprised how green it is. Um, how long uh, have you lived here now? Uh, over ten years. But I think if the one thing that people might not know, top tip maybe, the best pubs are outside the city centre. The best pubs are the neighborhood pubs. So you, you, if you're a visitor and you and you like your pint, <laughs> um, you might have to. Uh, I would encourage you to step out into the smaller neighborhoods in Cambridge. That's where you'll find uh, uh, some some lovely pubs, whether they're the, around the fireplace or along the river or uh, um, in the garden. Uh, you know, nice pub garden. Um, do explore.